This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 30, with Seth Deborah Roth, Medical Hypnosis, Part 1. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Call it a milestone, but I'll take number 30 as being a good sign. It's Jason Lynette here, Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, and really excited to share this conversation that I just had with Seth Deborah Roth. There's so much information here, we're actually going to split it up as two different sessions. So part one today, part two will come to you next week. And specifically, we're going to be talking about medical hypnosis and more focused on the condition of IBS, Irritable Bowel Syndrome which is this one little category of work where so much research points to hypnosis as being just one of the best and most effective ways to help people who suffer from that syndrome. So check out this session. We did this specifically, I actually bumped up the production on this one as Seth Deborah has a great webinar event that's coming up in a couple of weeks. The first week of February, it's going to be, let me scroll up here to my notes here, Thursday, February 5th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Replays will be made available to everybody as well. I shortened the website so you can get to it a little bit more easily. Just head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash IBS. That'll take you right over there to the registration page. Let's jump right in. There's a lot of content here. This is part one of Medical Hypnosis with Seth Deborah Roth. I'm still seeing clients. I've, I've I love seeing clients. I love changing lives. I'm working on my IBS protocol using all my experience, the knowledge of of the body system, and getting a little bit more pinpointed. You know, I just finished uh, doing a cancer protocol, not protocol really, but, you know, a certification. And I originally, long, long, long ago, days of my life, I was an oncology nurse. So I have a lot of experience of the needs of patients and family and caregivers, a deep appreciation of the ways that we can help, you know, really understanding the needs of these people. And it's actually not being addressed. And uh, cancer patients have a very, very large amount of anxiety. I mean, we all know, although we all should know, (laughs) that hypnosis works on, you know, nausea, it can work on time distortion, and those kind of physical things are revving up the immune system. But then the other area that's really not frequently addressed is the emotional needs, the anxiety, the financial obligation, the obligation of caregivers, you know, that they get burned out. Even the discussion of, you know, the end of life, what to do, how to talk to people while you are still alive. How to take care of all these quote unquote loose ends doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen that you're going to die, but just the taking care of that can actually start the emotional healing, and then your immune system is better able to do its job. Well, that's one of those things that I've run into this with clients that they'd read an article, they'd come across some piece of information, and they'd look at Let's, let's stick on cancer for a moment. They'd look at that as this bigger category and say, well, what is it that hypnosis does for that? And really, it's exactly what you just said. It's breaking it down into the individual components. 
and that even if we're just addressing the nausea, even if we're address, just addressing the, the sleep improvement, just simply by doing those things alone, there's wonderful benefits to that, first of all, about improving a quality of life. But on top of that, it helps everything else that they're doing to work on their health. In many ways, it puts them in a position for that stuff to work better. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was just working with a young gal. Gosh, she's like, I think she's 27 or 28 and has breast cancer. Um, we found, discovered a really important connection in um, that she was having premarital sex. Uh, well, she's Asian. I don't want to tell too much, but mm-hmm. I don't think this will say who she is, but she was Asian and there's certain things that you don't do, and um, she was having uh, premarital, premarital sex with a married man before before she ever met her, her current husband, and she had this tremendous um, guilt about this, and um, where we actually worked on this and, and releasing these feelings and um, her on-code numbers actually went down a little bit. Oh, wow. After, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's no real, quote-unquote, scientific evidence about this kind of connection. But when I was working in the oncology unit, what I did notice is that people uh, two, three years before they were admitted, they actually had a significant traumatic um, social event that they were really holding on to and not able to to let go of, basically, and just kept on reliving it over and over and over again. Mm. And um, that mind-body connection is very, very real, you know. So um, it is the way that our thoughts communicate with our body it is through these biochemicals, these neurotransmitters. And, and if you think, okay, well, I'm transmitting this, these thoughts are being transmitted into chemicals in my body 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can imagine. So if you're, you're, you're flowing this throughout your body, you know, for a whole year, right, what is it going to do to your body or a whole lifetime? Like when we talk about um, arthritis, you know, and that internalized anger just eating away at your bones and your joints, you know, um, it, it makes... It makes sense, even though we we can't like put a um, a pinpoint. Okay, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening, which is what scientists like to do, right? Um, but but when you work in the field and and you see it over and over again, it's something that you can't ignore. Well, I mean, it, there's there is a connection there. I I can recall. I think it was a talk that I attended. Of one of yours at the NGH convention years ago that was, correct me on this, it was a presentation for doctors, for medical staffs that was all about stress and the effect it has in the body, correct? Something right. along that nature. Right. And we can make the connection, it is a this plus this equals that as opposed to this equals that, that here are events that are causing stress and the stress is causing this experience. I, I don't think anybody, either you nor I nor anyone listening to this, would even dare say that here is this woman, and because she had that experience, that's why she has cancer. I don't think any of us are going to say that, make that statement. Yet, if we know the effects of stress, and we know how stress, underlining the next word, may affect the body, that by 
making those connections, anything we can do to improve that quality of life, not just physical but also emotional, is going to be a benefit to that client. Right. You know, we, we don't know how this works. I mean, it could be as simple as not taking enough deep breaths and not getting oxygen to your cells because you're stressed out. I mean, who knows how it works? But definitely um, the the nervous system, the the what's called the HPA axis, the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal gland axis, has its own circulation. And doctors know that this, you know, it's accepted. So, but the thoughts are what stimulate, you know, how we interpret um, our external world, you know, gets interpreted in that hypothalamus and the emotions and then stimulate the pituitary gland, which stimulates all other endocrine organs, and at the same time, the pituitary gland will send out information um, to the adrenal glands, and the adrenal glands will put out cortisol, adrenaline, epinephrine, and so forth. And those are have a certain effect on the different parts of the body. Now, everyone seems to, there's no problem accepting, okay, I'm going to speak up in front of a class, I feel like I'm going to puke, right? <laughs> people, people get that mind-body connection, or your hands get sweaty when you go to meet new people, right? People understand that mind-body connection. So when you tell them that, you say, so what else is happening on the internal level that you're not aware of? that your thoughts are in charge of, right? And then people go, oh, yeah. And when I work with my uh, my medical hypnosis clients, I always go through uh, that mind-body connection because when they understand the connection, first of all, it's going to increase their belief system that this hypnosis works. But it actually does work because then you start to be... Um, even let's say we work with somebody and we do regression and we bring something up to the forefront of their conscious mind. Well, now they can actually consciously work on it and recognize it. Oh, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing, This has to do with this old stuff. Now let me tell myself consciously, for instance, well, this is old stuff that's just creeping up and what I'm reacting to is not so much on what's happening today, but on my perception of what happened many years ago. Absolutely. And I'd be curious, I didn't know we'd be moving to regression. Let's jump into it for a moment here. There's many people who would be critical of that style of work about it's focusing on the problem, it's focusing on the problem. And I, I would respond to that, that they're not looking at that process as what it's really about. The way that you've described it kind of fits into my perception of it, too, to say that really for me it's an opportunity to get the client into a position where it's logical and it's effective for basically them to do direct suggestion hypnosis on themselves, on their old beliefs, on their old ways of feeling, on their old systems of how things used to be, so they're the one pulling themselves out of it. So maybe not so much about where we end up, but the why you don't have to be feeling that way anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like holding holding the hand of your inner child, right? And going, okay, I understand what's going on now. Of course, in hypnosis, we can we can work with the inner child too. We can we can release things. Um, even with people, let's say, who, who are passed on, you can have a conversation. You know, it's, it's like regression doesn't stop at the discovery. 
you need to work with what you've discovered. For instance, I have um, this fellow uh, for IBS, and we did the protocol, and he was really doing well, but it was still lingering. So, as it turns out, in regression, going to that feeling, going to um, he, it had to do with shame, and. Um, Again, I'm trying to make sure that I don't give away too much of this right. uh, confidentiality. But it had to do with shame of an incident that happened to him with regards to woman. And we had to repair that shame, you know, and work with it. Number, you know, repair it, but also give him back the confidence. Um, and I'm going to go back to repairing the shame. And his GI symptoms have finally made a turnaround. Now, you don't have to do that with every client, you know, but sometimes it, there's something that you need to deal with. And not dealing with it just keeps on putting a Band-Aid on it. I, I describe it as like you have an infection, right? And you go and you put a Band-Aid, you know, the wound is, is seeping out, and you put the Band-Aid, and that's great. It, it stops, you know, it catches the seepage. But at some point, you may actually have to go pierce that infection and irrigate it and clean it out. I'm using really nursing <laughs> medical terms, I realize. I'm glad we're recording at lunchtime. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, so, so the, you know, the, the infection clears up and you may have a little, you know, you'll recognize that there was something happening there, but the infection is cleared up and you could go on. You know, and not keep on putting band-aids on it. Not keep mm -hmm. on, um, you know, addressing. Okay, how, you know, giving a person anxiety relief tools is wonderful and necessary, and I do it for every client because life is going to happen. But to have having to use it all the time can get a. You know, you, you really need to sometimes just fix the problem. Yes. Yeah. You know, emotionally release the problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I love to kind of jump into things from a bigger picture, but also get more specific here. This category that we now have of medical hypnosis, how would you define that? Oh, I, I, gosh, I never thought of it. Um, using hypnosis slash hypnotherapy for relief of symptoms or clearance of issues that may be are causing the symptoms. Okay, great. And you specifically have the background of also being a nurse. How would you respond perhaps to, let's say, a newer student of hypnosis or someone who's already working in hypnosis who has an interest in making use of this category of work about how would it be that they are, let's put it simply, they're qualified to also work with this as well? Oh, interesting. I teach that in my, my medical hypnosis certification training that I do. By the way, I'm also a nurse anesthetist also. So um, I tell them, you know, let's say you're going to speak to a doctor and so forth, to recognize that you are the expert in hypnosis. You're not there to become a nurse or a doctor. I mean, if, if I wanted to, I could always feel less than an anesthesiologist per se. You know, so it's not, it's about you being the expert in your field Yes, I believe that having an understanding of the different systems that you're dealing with, whether it's digestive or respiratory 
or, you know, when we're dealing with pain, to having an understanding about that and how the mind is involved in it um, just helps you to feel more confident as a hypnotist. Um, but you don't have to be a nurse or a doctor to deal with this stuff because they don't know anything about hypnosis generally, except maybe pediatricians every once in a while. They're They're pretty... They're good about that. They they understand waking hypnosis and um, that's about what they understand is waking hypnosis. GI docs, um, if they're well-trained, they really should know that hypnosis slash hypnotherapy works for IBS. There's been so many studies. Yeah, so much research for that. You'll, you'll love oh, this. Yeah. I was I was at my dentist about maybe a year ago. It was a brand new dentist. The he recently expanded the practice and brought on more dentists. And it's the new one that I have in front of me. And it's that moment where he goes. And of course, I make it a point that I use my business email address on every medical form I ever fill out. And um, <laughs> you too. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. I have actually switched doctors at one point because the doctor said, "Yeah, I'd probably never refer to that." And I went, mm, "You have competition," and moved on elsewhere. Um, <laughs> but th- this experience where the dentist looks at me and it says, "Oh, hypnotist, are you mostly Elmanian or are you Ericksonian?" And it's that moment of, yes. "Dude, we got to talk." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, finding a lot of dentists that have a lot of experience. Most of uh, Elman's students were in the categories of a lot of them were dentists, a lot of them were podiatrists. So right, there's a lot right. of that tradition continuing on as well. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I, I ran into a fellow on an airplane when I was going to lecture in London, and I told him I was a hypnotist. And he said, oh, Ericksonian or, or the regular hypnosis? And I, we had a great conversation. <laughs> he had actually trained with Tony Robbins um, and taken his most, ex- you know, for years, evidently. He had just finished graduating and had, um, it was gr- a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I have to crack the joke then and tell the story of, uh, it was a moment, uh, I, I'll leave what the surgery was out of this process, but I'll say it comfortably. We're happy with two kids. And we're going through the procedure, and I'm about to be led back into the room, and the nurse goes, oh, hypnotist. I should watch my words. I trained with Ron Esslinger for the uh, anesthesia program. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so these people are out there. Yeah. And I share, we, I'm sure we're sharing these stories not just to share anecdotes, which they are and they're fun, but this stuff is so much more widely known and accepted than I think many hypnotists would give it credit for. Would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, it's about finding the right audience. Right. Also. Um, you know, nurses are more open to this because they call it guided imagery. Mm-hmm. And in nursing, we do waking hypnosis without knowing that we're doing waking hypnosis. That's been the feedback of every nurse who has taken my class, which was, I now know how to do things on purpose that I was doing by accident. Oh, I love it. I love it. There's a great YouTube video showing a uh, pediatrician giving an injection uh, to a kid, and he's he's just like... Um, taking his mind here, there, here, there, he injects him, he injects him, and then he takes a box of tissues and just takes that one tissue after another into the boy's face, and the boy forgets that he ever had an injection. <laughs> it's so cool. So cool to watch. Yeah, us in the medical field, we, we do it. We've just never been told um, what we're doing. Um, I trained at Kings County 
medical center and in, in the anesthesia program. And there was a lady, I, I don't know her last name. Her first name was Teresa. I mean, I used to know, but I'm getting old. I forget these things. <laughs> um, but she actually wrote a book. I think it was The Dummy Guide to Hypnosis or The Clinical. I can't remember. But her first name was Teresa. You know, so anyway, I, I think because of her, where I trained, it was more accepted. And we talked about it more. Although the first time I ever saw um, hypnosis in um that I really didn't know what I was seeing was in anesthesia training. And there was a fellow, he, this is back in Brooklyn, and he, he had gotten the mafia mad, and he opened up his garbage pail and a bomb went off. And oh, wow. so he had, he had burns all over his upper body and his face, and we couldn't put the um, anesthesia mask on his face. He was getting a skin graft on his leg to um, other areas. And my my uh, anesthesiologist who was training me, she started to, to talk in his ear. And suddenly he just went limp, and they did the procedure with just a little nitrous um, over his nose, not even making contact with his face, which means he's getting a lot of room air. And nitrous is not an anesthetic. It's an analgesic. Mm. It just makes you kind of forget where you are but he just went limp and they did the skin graft and so that was my first exposure to using hypnosis in you know in a painful procedure like surgery although I guess I had seen it like dressing changes but never like in a real painful procedure you know what I mean so um wow wow it is it is getting more accepted yeah, um, I want to, I want to right come back to that. I want to make sure we get in um, your webinar that's coming up. It's Thursday, February 5th, and I've got it here in front of me. I'm going to make this easy for everyone listening as well because the actual website to attend this upcoming webinar is, I'll read it out, lifetransformationsecrets.com forward slash IBS dash relief forward slash free dot shtml. Uh, if you just go to worksmarthypnosis.com, forward slash IBS, and make sure that's lowercase IBS, as in irritable bowel syndrome, that'll just redirect right over to that page. And what are people going to learn on that webinar? Well, we are going to learn, of course, the basic mind-body connection with the parasympathetic, sympathetic system, and, and so forth. But we're going to learn about the enteric nervous system, which is its own separate bi-directional system of the gut and the brain that even in nursing school, they usually don't teach you about it. You know, everyone talks about the parasympathetic and sympathetic, but not so much the enteric nervous system. So we're going to learn the um, anatomy, the physiology, the function of the enteric nervous system. And then we're going to learn about different um, areas, the lifestyle how I, well, then about, of course, what IBS is and um, the different types of IBS. It's not just one type. You're going to learn about the medications, the most current medications that are being used and the, uh, the grading system that doctors use to uh, figure out what medication that they want to use. Because, you know, when a client is going to come to you, they're going to tell you what stuff they're on. So it's, it always makes you feel better to know what it is they're talking about. 
but remembering we're not, you know, you're you're not acting as a doctor or nurse and giving out any recommendations, but it's just good to know this stuff. And um, I'm getting lost here in my thoughts. So <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the um, the effects on lifestyle. They've actually made studies on how IBS affects lifestyle. Um, and then we're going to be doing um, different energy, EFT, root cause technique, um, EMR, uh, different energy system, you know, uh, and different anxiety relief programs are going to be discussed. And then also the protocol. The protocol is based on Towson from uh, Chapel Hill. He has a, a, they did a large, large study there. And it is the accepted protocol, but it is only allowed to be used if you're a, a nurse or a physician, uh, you know, licensed and so forth. So what I have done is I have designed my experience with um, the principles of his protocol into my own seven-step protocol. And uh, that way people will have it and they can use it for their clients. Um, whether or not they're nurses and, you know, licensed nurses and that kind of stuff. That's great. And again, that's an upcoming webinar. It's going to be Thursday, February 5th. And you can find the details about that. Just head over to the redirect page of worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash IBS. And that is a free event too, right? Right. Absolutely free event. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. Hey, it's Jason Lynette here just with one last thing. Uh, I'd ask you this question. If your goal is to grow a hypnosis business, well, how's business going? If things are really not quite yet going the way you'd like them to go and the way they admittedly should be going, I've got a great resource for you. I put together something I call the 10-Day Hypnosis Business Challenge. It's 10 days of emails, 10 days of videos, 10 days of specific action steps that you can fold into your business to really start to revitalize and get better results. That's something that I offer to you absolutely free. Really easy to find, too. Just go over to worksmarthypnosis.com, scroll all the way down to the very bottom of the page, and there's a little space to share your email address and get that free resource. Again, it's the 10-Day Hypnosis Business Challenge, 10 days of videos, 10 days of specific action steps to revitalize your business. I look forward to hearing of your success very soon.